You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Well, there's a guy named uh, 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 Cliff Deacons, and he is a graphic designer, and he takes the logos of companies and tells you what the mixed message really is. So uh, we're going to put a few of these up. Just take a look. Macaroni and cheese, this tab will not open the box. Have you ever done craft macaroni and cheese? You take your thumb, that little thing, and it doesn't work. So he says, that's really the message they want you to have. Next one. Ikea, we throw in extra parts just to mess with you. (laughs) Isn't that great? And if you're looking for the largest Ikea in the world, it's now in Burbank, California. And uh, I actually got to see it recently. It's huge. So anybody had this experience? Hey, honey, what are these extra parts for? I don't know. Now, how many times have you said there's extra parts? There's not supposed to be any. Okay, next one. Yeah. We serve you decaf if you're rude. Now, if you work at Starbucks, don't complain, but how would you know? You went there for your four shot, right? I want four shots in the event, and you were rude, so they just went, decaf. Okay, (laughs) next, next. WebMD, convince yourself that you have a terminal illness. My my finger was acting up because I played drums since I was 10, and and it was really hurting, and it was locking, and I couldn't get it to unlock. Serious. And, uh, and it still hurts, so don't give me your remedy later on. But let me, let me just tell you this. By the time I finished at WebMD, I was going to have to decapitate myself because <laughs> that's where it was leading me. So you got to be careful. Next one. Monopoly. A great way to ruin friendships. Come on. Have you ever played Monopoly with just kind, docile people, and all of a sudden it's like... And they get aggressive. Come on. You know who you are. You got any more? Yeah, Netflix. Spend more time searching than actually watching. So see, he, he, he takes the logo and he gets the real message out. Uh, I don't know what else you have. Uh, yeah. Isn't that great? There's the message. Maybelline. Maybe it's Photoshop. Yeah. Huh? Isn't that good? We're here for you during that midlife crisis, right? Hallmark, when you care enough to give a card mass produced by a corporation. And I think that's the last one, right? Yeah. Well, let me give you another one prayer. Why pray since God knows everything? The Bible says he knows what you have need of before you ask, so why ask? Lord, if you stop knowing things, then I'll start praying. That's a mixed message. I want you to go with me today to the book of Nehemiah, where we will learn. It's a little class today. Just think about we're going to school today to learn about how to pray. Uh, E.M. Bounds, I'm I'm skipping down, Diane. E.M. Bounds uh, says that we are constantly on a stretch, if not a strain, to provide new methods, new plans, new organizations to advance the church and secure enlargement and efficiency. But men are God's method. That doesn't mean men gender, just, just humankind 
are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men or better people. And one of the ways that we become better, of course, is through our Bible reading, obvious, through our worship, through our service, and through prayer. Jesus got up every morning, we find him, leaving his disciples, and if you had to live with those guys, you would have left them too, and he prays. He seeks the Lord. There are several times in his life where he says yes, and several times in his life where he says no to ministry, need, and demand, and we find that before he says no or yes, he'd been with God. He heard from the Lord. In Ezekiel, it really is the setup for Nehemiah, and it says, I, God, looked in vain for anyone who would build again the wall of righteousness that guards the land, who could stand in the gap, but I found not one. God was looking for somebody who would rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down, that would somehow rebuild the gates that had been burned down. He couldn't find anyone, but finally he finds Nehemiah. And uh, if you want to study leadership, Nehemiah is probably one of the best books in the Bible for that. If you want to learn how to ratchet up your prayer life, Nehemiah is probably the best book in the Bible for that because Nehemiah prays nine different times in the book of Nehemiah, and we find out the kinds of prayers that he prays and how to have an effective prayer life. I believe if we're going to live an abundant life, the John 10.10 life that we've been talking about, that prayer must be a part of it. The effectiveness in your notes of my life is determined by my faith in God and my private life. Years ago, we had a presidential campaign, and one of the candidates was asked this question, tell us about your private life, and his response was, my private life really doesn't matter. I can be the president without dealing with my private life. And I would venture a guess to say that some of us have wondered if our private life is really going to impact our public life, and my answer would be, it does. The kind of person you are privately is the kind of person you are publicly. The kind of person you are privately is going to determine what kind of partner you are in marriage if you're married, what kind of parent you are if you have kids, what kind of grandparents you are. The power of my private life is determined by my prayer life. So, real simple question, and I'm not trying to insult your, uh, your intelligence, but we're going to class today, and the first question is, when should I pray? And the answer is, before I do anything else. Some of you are really competent in what you do. Uh, we have teachers in our church. We have commanders at the Air Force Base in our church. We have, uh, you know, contractors, and we have domestic engineers in our church. We have lots of people in our church that are very capable and competent business owners. We have people in the administration field. We've got all kinds of folks, even people that work at Starbucks and or Southside. But... It's not always obvious to us that we, we shouldn't go into motion or into response until we've been seated or kneeling in front of the Almighty God. So Nehemiah, in chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, um, he has these guys go out and, and look at the land, and they find out that Jerusalem is in ruins. And they said to him, Nehemiah, those who survived the exile are back in the province 
are in great trouble and they are in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates have been burned with fire. Now, now watch what he says. When I heard these things, I had to sit down. The news was so weighty that I had to sit down and, and, and I did what? And I wept. For some days, actually 40 of them, I mourned and I fasted. Fasting here is not a weight loss program. Fasting here is not, oop, the reunion's coming up. I've got to fit into that dress. This is, this is, I am letting my time, rather than going out and foraging for food or preparing a meal, that same time that I would use for that, I'm going to pray. And every time my tummy growls in hunger, I am going to pray. I'm going to intercede. And he prays before the God of heaven. See, we can do more than pray, but we should not do anything else until we have prayed. And I would venture a guess that there's people here or watching online who have jumped the gun, who went out and did something, who, who went and retaliated or spoke back at someone or invested money into something or, or thought they could accomplish something without praying. And you wish you could go back and say, God, let me, let me, let me sit with you for a while. Let me, let me seek your face before I do anything. So I just want to encourage you to make sure that before you get out there and do whatever it is you're going to do next, that you pray. And you don't just pray like this, oh, Lord, bless, bless my journey. Be good to me, God. May it always go well with me. Amen. Uh, that's not the prayer that Nehemiah prays. Now, I need you to know something. Nehemiah is not just praying and fasting because he's a procrastinator. He is a doer. He is a leader of leaders. He actually will build the walls and the gates in 52 days. And uh, as I studied this, it is, it is almost a uh, construction miracle that in 52 days, this was built in that time. And that it was built partly during a time where the enemy was coming in. So they, they had bricks and mortar and a trowel in one hand and they had a sword in the other. Can you imagine this? You're trying to build a fence or a wall you know, you're, you're trying to make dinner, hello, with one hand while you're fighting the enemy with the other. And this is exactly what's going on. And Nehemiah is able, because he's with God and God is filling him and using him, he's able to motivate people who are in the middle of battle while they're trying to build. You ever try to build something and, and you're going through battle? Um, if, if you're a mom, you should know this. You're trying to build your kids and there's also a battle going on, isn't there? Sometimes for their attention, sometimes for their minds, uh, sometimes for morality, sometimes for values. Uh, during this conversation that's going on with God, Nehemiah is thinking about a conversation he's going to have with a king because he can't build the walls unless the king approves the building of the walls. So he'll actually ask God to give him success and favor with the king. During the time uh, that the walls are going up, Sanballat and Tobiah, many of you know the story, come and ridicule the building of the wall. You ever had somebody come to you in the middle of your dream, living out your dream in life, going to school again, learning a new skill, and somebody saying, well, you'll never make it. Here's what Sanballat and Tobiah say, ha, huh, nice wall, looks really good. You like their wall? I don't know. Sanballat, what do you think? I think if a fox climbed on their wall, their wall would fall down. How would that make you feel? Building a wall in the middle of the hot Middle Eastern sun, trying to motivate people to build something that they think shouldn't be rebuilt because their life's in ruin, and you just heard it. The report is people are feeling disgraced by what's happened to them. 
people are trying to rebuild their lives. Um, let me just, a little side note here, and I, I wish I had 20 minutes just on this, but when people are trying to rebuild their lives after ruin or shipwrecked or addiction, and somebody comes along and says, well, gee, how long have you been, been doing well? Three days. That won't last. Come on. You know, my husband and I are in good season. That won't last. You know, hey, I got a new job. Bet you they fire you. Come on. I'm going to church now. Yeah, right. Like, that's going to help you. Come on. You know, I got promoted. Yeah, you must know somebody in the Pentagon. That's the only reason. I think your grandfather is the head of the Air Force. That's the only reason you got promoted. Oh, you, you, you chuckle? You haven't ever heard those kind of comments? Huh? We all have. Nehemiah 6.9, I, I love this. They were all trying to frighten us, the naysayers, thinking their hands are too weak for the work and it will not be completed. This is what they were saying. You will never amount to anything. But I prayed, now strengthen our hands. So see, what you do is you take the negative comments of others. You take the naysayers and the dream breakers and you just say, okay, Lord, this is what they're saying. But here's what I say. You make it possible. It's impossible. You make it possible. Our hands are weak. You strengthen our hands. You see, see what he did? By the way, he doesn't rebuke the naysayers. He tells God to take care of it. Little, 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 little lesson. Okay, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'll tell you, I, this is one thing I've learned. Okay? And as I get older, I'm really sharpening this skill. Let God rebuke people, not you. Actually, in the book of, of, of Jude, okay, Michael the archangel says <clears throat> to the devil, the Lord rebuke you, not me. You, you, you just, people come against and say little things. I'm going to give them a piece of my, I'm going to tell them. Just say this, Lord, they're saying stuff. You, you take care of it, Lord. I'm just going to move down. I can't, I can't believe you didn't retaliate, Pastor B. Old Town Market, somebody said something to me. I can't believe you didn't. You should have, you should have pulled your sword out. I said, I did. Well, I didn't see it. I said, you missed it. You're not paying attention. I'm like, you missed. You didn't see my spiritual roundhouse? What did you do? I said, I said Lord, Lord, show them the error of their way. How about that for a good prayer? Come on, you want to, you, come on. Some of you want to take people out. I know you're filled with grace. You're nonviolent. You want to take people out and tune them up, don't you? Some of you work with some people. You want to give them a good little, right, don't you? Here, here's, here's what you say. Lord, they're saying we don't have it. Would you make sure we do? They're, they're saying I, I'll never be able to amount to anything. They're saying I'll never be healed. They're saying I'll never be whole. They'll say my marriage will never be fixed. They're saying church won't matter. Lord, Lord, would you make it matter? And God, while you're at it, show them something, will you? Okay, sorry. <clears throat> Number two, why should I pray? It shows I'm depending on God. Huh? I, I love what Rick Warren said. I don't know if any of you do Twitter, but I do. And, and I, I, I saw this week, he said, he said this phrase, God does not respond to your complaints. He responds to your faith. Oh, Lord, laugh really hard. You're just, no, no, Lord, Lord, Lord. You, you, you're the one that makes life easy. So I'm going to trust in you, okay? Uh, Nehemiah, by the way, I got to make it for lost time, sorry. Nehemiah, by the way, his name means the Lord is my comfort. 
Could you imagine? God, Nehemiah here, every time he says Nehemiah, he's saying, the Lord is my comfort. Listen, if your name's not Nehemiah, still make, make, make your name, the Lord is my comfort. The Lord is where I go. The Lord gives me life and life more abundant. Isaiah 40, 31. Let's read this with our best 10, 14. He better hurry up voice. They that wait upon shall, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be, and they shall walk and not faint. They will renew their what? See, the word renew in the Hebrew doesn't mean that God's going to come and pump up your deflated strength. The word in the Hebrew is better than that. That God exchanges your strength for his own. Isn't that good? Those who wait upon the Lord get God's strength to become their strength. They receive what they would never have on their own. Because, in your notes, prayer releases God's power. Now, I have to stop here, and I don't want to challenge you too hard, because it's, you know, 4th of July weekend, people are thinking about stuff and time off and all that. What do we need God's power for? Because, see, if you're going to pray and prayer releases God's power, the challenge is, what are you going to use it for? Oh, Lord, I need your power so I can get to work on time. Come on. Lord, I have dinner to make, so I need your power. Supernatural. And then God says, but you're going to use the microwave. <laughs> well, no, Lord, I'm actually calling Domino's. They deliver. Huh? Lord, Lord, my, my, kid, my, my kid's a mess. Oh, God, give me your power. Every conversation would be seasoned by the Holy Spirit. Give me insight that I don't have. Lord, my neighbor is going to hell in a handbasket. Lord, would you create opportunities? I need your power. Would you have us take the trash out at the same time, get to the mailbox at the same time, drive in our driveways at the same time? Would you have us intersect our paths? Lord, that guy at work, man, he's doing his job and, and, and he's fulfilling all expectations, but I can see the weight in his heart. Lord, I need your power for a God divine conversation to take place. You see the difference? Lord, I'm trying to rebuild a wall. I'm trying to rebuild gates and I need your power. Jeremiah 33, 3. God says, you call to me and I'll answer you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you don't even know. So how should we pray? Well, let me tell you in first, uh, chapter 1, Nehemiah, verse 5 to 7, says, the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, it sounds like worship, doesn't it? Who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes uh, be open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. The sins he's talking about, by the way, folks, are sins that were committed before he was born. But he takes ownership of those sins. You ever pray for America? You know how most people pray for America? Lord, Lord bless our land. And those people that live in the White House, God, whoa. Huh? Well, my house is gray, so I say, and the people that live in the gray house, God? Or the people that live in the yellow house, the green house? People that live in the, in, 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 in the mobile home? Or people that live in the motor home? Or people, see, what Nehemiah was doing was he was taking ownership and including himself in the sins of the nation, including myself. We've committed against you. We have acted 
very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. And what he's saying is, God, I want you to know that I'm connecting myself with the problem. Not only do I want to be the solution to the problem, but I'm connecting myself. I am overwhelmed by the problem. I am feeling uh, uh, you know, a, a time to fast for the people and to pray for the people and to intercede for the people. The best deliverers are people that not only have sympathy, but have empathy that understand. So you've got to ask yourself, why should God answer my prayer? And I think this is a powerful point. Why should you answer this prayer, God, before you pray it? Um, you, know, you tell your kid that comes in and makes a request of you, you, you probably ask, well, why should I do it? You ever said that? Kid comes in and says, I, I need 20 bucks. What's your question going to be? What for? You know what my question is? Hope you have it. Huh? Hope, where do you have it? I need 20 bucks. Well, good. Get it out of your bank account. I don't have any money in the bank yet. Well, good. How's that working for you? Okay. We need to ask ourselves, why do I really want God to answer this prayer? And when we come with a life-filled prayer, we base my prayer on God's character. I expect you to answer this prayer, God, because of who you are. You're faithful. That's what Nehemiah says. You're a great God. You're a loving God. You're a wonderful God. You can handle this problem, God, because that's who you are. Nehemiah 1.5 Oh, Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. So there's three things that Nehemiah is saying here. And, and you can keep this sheet when you're done. And next time you go to prayer, pray through some of these things. Read this book and, and journal why Nehemiah is so successful as a leader and as a person of prayer. He says, you're great. That's God's position. You're awesome. That shows God's power. And you keep your covenant. That shows God's promises. So Nehemiah has his theology right. He's going to God on the basis of who he knows that he is, and he's reminding God of his character. Now, question, does God need to be reminded of his character? No. But Nehemiah is teaching us that we need to articulate to God his character. So not only, Lord, answer my prayer, Lord, I know that you're great and that you're awesome and that you're mighty. And see, in the process, that's worshiping God. That's praising God. But also in the process, it's aligning our hearts with a deeper faith. The more you articulate the greatness of God in the middle of your problem, the more your faith starts to rise. Lord, I have this problem. It's a really bad problem. Lord, it's, a, it's the worst problem on the earth. God, it's overwhelming me. This is the worst. I can't believe this, God. It is so bad. And Lord, once again, you know it's the worst of the worst problem. No one's ever had it like this. Right, by the end of the prayer, you're so discouraged, you stop praying. Hey, hey Lord, I have this problem. But before I tell you about this problem, let me tell you about you. You see the difference? Let me just stop and say, God, you are so powerful. And as you start praying that way, it changes your heart. And I'm just going to encourage you, if you want to live this life that's more abundant, practice. Practice telling God how great he is. Practice your worship 
to him. And then secondly, confess the sin in your life. I mean, God already knows. Yes, he knows. But don't let there be a mixed message that says, well, because of the cross, my sins are forgiven. I never need to confess. That's not what the Bible says. We confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, and he's just and able to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nehemiah 1, 6, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's self, have committed against you. It wasn't Nehemiah's fault that Israel went into captivity. It wasn't Nehemiah's fault that the walls got torn down, and that the gates got burned. But he made it his issue. If my people, <laughs> come on, would call upon my name, humble themselves and pray, right, and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. If my people, listen, stuff happens to the government that I didn't do. But I say, God, we Americans, that's how I pray. I don't know how you pray. Those people over there, Lord, help those people. Right? No, no, Lord, this is our land. That's why when we hear patriotic songs and we see the flag, that's why we get the way we do. I still see the flag or I see the posting of the colors at a military ceremony. I, something inside me says, I'm proud to be American. No, anyway, but I am. I am. And there should be something inside of us that just rises and say, God, heal our land because we, because we, he takes ownership. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible waiting to be declared, waiting to be claimed. Stories told of a man who dies, he goes to heaven, and he gets to report back to earth, tell people what he saw. He saw the glory of the Lord, people worshiping around the throne, and a huge drum section. I added that part. And, and then he saw these warehouses in the back. And he asked the angel, What's, what is that? He says, oh, it's sad. The angels took him in the warehouse. And they had all these guys with clipboards. What are you guys doing? We have an inventory control problem. We have so many gifts. We have so many blessings in here. And he goes, what's the tag on each one of them? It was a tag that just said, unasked for Blessings. Now, I know it's not a true story. It's not in the book of Revelation. Sorry. It's not even in the book of Hezekiah. But what I want to tell you is this. I think it's true. Heaven has all these blessings, right? God says, I will meet your needs according to my riches in glory. See, the truth is, God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. Number four, be very specific, or the, or the fourth thing, be very specific in what I ask for. I mean, be specific. Because if you pray this kind of prayer, Lord, <clears throat> bless my week. Bless me good, Lord. Bless me real good. Throughout the whole week, this week, Lord, bless me. Amen. How will you know if he blesses you? Lord, my coworker, our relationship, Lord, my wife, Lord, my finances, God, help me not spend so much. Help me tithe, not just my time and my money. See, we're working on Andy's theology. Lord, my neighbor, it's dealing with illness. I ask somehow that you'll encourage them and use me to be an encourager. Hmm. 
Lord, 4th of July, I'm actually going to venture out to that park, Los Alamos. God, I could just sit down on a chair under a big old tree and not do anything. But have me meet somebody I never met and encourage them. Have me go into, I'm, Lord, I'm about to go into Home Depot. Huh? I pray that I'll meet somebody in orange. <laughs> and I'll be able to encourage them somehow. They're probably not making all the money they wish they'd make. Some of them are retired and they don't have a good enough retirement. So here they are working, Lord. Help me encourage them today. Does anybody know where the screws are? Right? And somebody comes up and walks up to you. I had this happen a few weeks ago. A gentleman came up and walked up to me. How can I help you, he said. We, had, we struck up a conversation. He took me where I needed to go. I was only 14 aisles away. <laughs> and, and we struck up a conversation. And he, he told me the story about his family. And while I'm just sitting there to get some little screw, no big deal. He's telling me about his family. And I said to him, hey, hey, there's nobody right. Could I just say a quick prayer for you right now? Oh, man, the dude, you know, and all of a sudden his little thing, price check, right? He, he just ignored it for a moment. That's called customer service. I said, Lord, bless my new friend, his situation, his family. And God, right here in the middle of Home Depot today, I pray you show up and you touch his heart. Amen. It wasn't very long. Oh, man, it felt good. I walked out of that big 97-cent sale I made there, trying to help the taxes in our city, you know. And, and, and I got the car, and I, and I said, Lord, thank you for that opportunity to be able to do that. See? Don't miss praying for success. Don't miss praying. Lord, I'm going to the store. Make me a gift. Make me, help me bring a gift to somebody. Uh, Nehemiah 1.10 says, they are your servants, your people, whom you've redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Oh, Lord, let your ear be attended to prayer for this. Your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delight in revering your name. Give your servant. Who's his servant? Nehemiah. Give your servant success. Boy, that's a big prayer. But now watch how he's specific. By granting him favor in the presence of this man. Who's the man? The king. Lord, we've got to rebuild these walls. It wasn't a selfish prayer. It was for the people of Jerusalem. Help me rebuild the walls. And if the king doesn't agree with it, we can't do it. So God, give me favor. Give me success. Here, here's the lesson. If I can't ask God to bless what I'm doing, then I better start doing something else. Lord, uh, Friday night I'm going out. Uh, please don't look. All right, that's all I'm saying about that. Here are four lessons for Nehemiah's prayer. But, but pray something that God can bless. Uh, here's four lessons for Nehemiah's prayer. It's a prayer of conviction. I am convinced, I am convicted about who you are. And, and remember when you pray, praise is bragging on God. What a good God you've been to me. Number two, a prayer of confession of, of what I am and who I am. It's a prayer of confession. This is, this, is, this is what I am, God. This is who I am. This is what I've done. These are the mistakes that I've made. I'm imperfect, but I'm willing to confess them to you. Remember when Jesus taught 
his disciples how to pray. He said, forgive us our trespasses. Uh, Jesus makes sure that there's confession in the prayer. Then there's a prayer of confidence in what God has promised. I know who you are, God. I know what I am, and I know what you said. I'm going to declare and believe and claim your promises. And, and number four, it's a prayer of commitment. Not only God, would, would, would you help them? It's no, 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 Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, use me. Me and Nehemiah is saying, God, I'm a part of this solution, and I need you to empower me to help me to be that. So as we get ready to, to finish up, how's your prayer life? No guilt. How's your prayer life? Well, I'm kind of busy. Do you know how busy Nehemiah was? He's got to build walls. He has to build gates in 52, ga 52 days. Ask God to help you become what you cannot become on your own. Ask God to help you be a part of the solutions of problems around. Confess to the Lord how great he is. Confess to the Lord how weak you are. Confess to the Lord your sins. Spend time with God, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, or, or maybe throughout the day. I like to put commas on the ends of my prayers, not periods. Commas mean, we'll catch up later, God. You start in the morning and just throughout the day. Oh, you see something happen just throughout. Lord, picking it up. Let's, let's talk again about this. And, and I really believe if you'll take time to be intentional and strategic about your prayer, that God will give you more and more of his abundant life. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.